Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. For the next five weeks, we're going to be uh, beginning a new study, a new series, looking at three chapters in the book of Luke. And these, these three chapters, they hold powerful truth uh, for the believer. You know, every one of us, we want to live a life of significance. We want to matter. We want to have people uh, be care if we're not there anymore. We want to, to have a life that means something, that has a purpose. But unfortunately, uh, too many of us, we end up living a life that is centered around ourselves, centered around our wants, our needs, our desires, our cares. We become very self-centered in our lives. And when we, we live like that, we miss the life that God has for us. When we live like that, we miss the joy that God has for us. Because God, He wants to give us a joy-filled life. That's not a life with no trouble or no problems or no trials. That is a life that is filled with joy because we are living according to His purpose and His will. But we end, up, we, we end up living lives that have no significance. They really make no lasting impact and really do nothing to affect eternity. In Luke's chapter 4, chapters 4, 14 through 16, Jesus confronts a group of people who are living that way. They're a group that on the outside looks like they have everything together. On the outside, looks like they are the, the cream of the crop. They look like the ones that people should strive to be. But internally, they were self-centered. They were selfish. They were living for their own purpose. Of course, this group that he's, he's confronting is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were only concerned about themselves. They were only concerned about how they looked. They were only concerned about the recognition that they received. And unfortunately... Many of us live this way. We live and we act like the Pharisees when we should be living like Jesus. We should be concerned with living a life that has significance, with living a life that has a greater purpose. And so tonight we're going to see plainly in the text that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see how Jesus confronts this group of people. So look in your Bibles in Luke Chapter 14, starting in verse number 1. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. So here's Jesus. He's, he's going to one of the Pharisees' house. This is an important man. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's well-known in the city. He's well-known in religious circles. He's going there to have a meal with him. It's the Sabbath day, so they're going to have the Shabbat meal. And so this is kind of a big deal. And as he gets there, people are watching him. Now, they're not watching him like a celebrity showing up. 
They're not watching him like some celebrity who's showing, and they're, oh, man, what's he, what's he wearing? Look at, look at how he's talking. Oh, he talked to that guy. They're watching him to try to trip him up. They're watching him to try to find a way that they can accuse him and discredit him and get him taken off the scene. Verse number two. <clears throat> and behold, there was a man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace and took him, and, and he took him and healed him and let him go. And he answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer again to these things. So Jesus, he's at, he's at dinner with this prominent Pharisee, and of course people are watching him, and as he gets there, he sees a man outside the house who has dropsy. Now dropsy is what we call edema. It is the swelling of the joints and the extremities because of congestive heart failure. It's very painful. It's very debilitating. There was no hope for this man. This man was in a lot of pain. He was suffering incredibly, and he was going to die. There was no heart transplant for him. There was no bypass pump he could go on. He was going to die. And he's there for a purpose. The Pharisees had brought him here on this day for a purpose. They're using this man to try to discredit Jesus. So Jesus, he, he looks at this man. He looks at the crowd of men and the crowd of people around him, and he he asks a question of them. He, he's mad because these Pharisees, these, these religious leaders, these elite, these great best of the best in the religious circle, they didn't care about this guy. They didn't care about his pain. They didn't care that he was dying. They didn't care that very soon his, his wife would be without a husband. They didn't care that very soon his, his kids would be without a father. They didn't care anything about him. They didn't care about his pain. They didn't care about his embarrassment. They didn't care that he was suffering in front of all of them. He was just being used by the Pharisees as a tool to try and discredit Jesus. As a tool to try to get Jesus in trouble. So Jesus confronts them. He says, I know what y'all are thinking. It's the Sabbath day. It's the day God has said, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. God has said, you shall do no work on the Sabbath. And I know what y'all are thinking. It's wrong for me to heal this man. Because that would be work on the Sabbath. The, 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 the Pharisees had set up all these, these kind of different rules. They were extra biblical rules that they had put in place to keep people from breaking the commandments. And so they had rules on the Sabbath, like, well, God says you can't work on the Sabbath. So they had all kinds of rules that if, if someone got hurt, you could patch them up to help them from getting worse, but you couldn't heal them. You know, if someone's bleeding, you can kind of put a bandage on it, but you can't sew it up. You've got to wait till the next day to sew it up. And there was all these just extra biblical rules to kind of make them look better. And so he says, y'all have got all these rules, and you say you do no work on the Sabbath, but you do work on the Sabbath when it suits you. Because how many of y'all, if your, your son falls in a well, is going to yell down at your son, Hey, sorry, I hope you can tread water because it's the Sabbath. 
I'll get you tomorrow. Good luck. He goes, none of y'all would do that. You would pull your son up. That's doing work on the Sabbath. That's saving someone on the Sabbath. What if your, your ox fell in a ditch or fell in a hole and was, was hurt? You're not going to say, well, I've got I to wait until tomorrow to get some help. He goes, no, you're going to get your pulleys out. You're going to get your neighbors out. You're going to do everything you can to, to get this animal out of trouble because you don't want it to suffer, but also you don't want to lose the money that it's going to cost if it dies. If it's seriously hurt and it dies, you're going to lose money on that, and you don't want to lose money on that. So you do work on the Sabbath when it suits you. So why do you get so upset, he asks, if I were to heal this man on the Sabbath? Isn't he more valuable than an ox? Isn't God more interested in loving people, in caring for people, in helping people, than he is about following a bunch of rules that you guys have set up? So we read this and we think, yeah, Jesus, go get them. Tell them how it is. But when we read these things, we have to find ourselves in the story because we're there. So there's three characters in the story. There's Jesus, there's a sick man, there's a Pharisee. So which one are we? Are we Jesus? No. He's perfect. We're not. We are far from perfect. So we're not Jesus. So are we the sick man? Well, you could argue we're the sick guy. We were sick with sin. We were hopeless and helpless without Jesus. And so if Jesus hadn't come, to, come through and, and healed us and, and saved us and done for us what we couldn't do, then we would have been doomed to hell and died like this guy is going to die because of his disease. And we, we could argue that, but we're, we're not the sick man either. We're the Pharisees. We're the ones who are sitting around doing nothing because it makes us uncomfortable, because it makes other people upset at us. Because it's not something that other people want to do. The Pharisees, they knew the rules. They knew what they had to do to look good. And so they did everything in their power to make themselves look good. To make themselves look holy. They prayed three times a day. They fasted multiple times. And when they fasted, man, they they let people know they fasted. They're the people that, you know, when they come to church and they have here a, a need like, hey, we need $35,000, they drop in a big check, but they make sure everyone knows it. Preacher, the Lord told me to give this twenty grand, And look, if God tells you to give that 20000 praise the Lord. Well, hey, I, you know, that's great, but we don't do it to get attention. But they, everything they did was because they wanted attention. They wanted glory. They wanted honor. They wanted to look good instead of doing good. So Jesus has proven a point, point. he continues. Look at verse number 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he had marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, When thou art bidden to any man, of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee come and say to thee, Give thee... Give this man place, and now begin to be with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. And when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto, the, unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So now Jesus is telling us how to 
how to act at a party. Now, he's, you don't really, we're not applying it just to parties. We're talking about life here. He's telling us how to, how to treat people, how to, how to act around people. He tells a story to teach a lesson that he's trying to get across, and he uses the example of a fancy wedding. Now, the Pharisees, whenever they would go to public events, they did everything in their power to make sure everyone knew how, how important they were. Make sure everyone knew how, how honorable they were and how holy they were. And this, this happens in every area of our society. When you go to a, a company picnic, everyone knows who the CEO is. You even see the nature. You got to have a chicken coop. All the chickens know who the top rooster is. It's called the pecking order. You know, as a pastor, we, we have it too, but it's a little more subtle, you know, because we're, we're ministry leaders. We're supposed to be more godly than everybody else. And so we don't just come out and, and make sure we know who's, who's in charge. But whenever I go to a pastor's conference or I'm with another bunch of preachers, they always want to know who's the most important, and here's how they do it. Hey, what do you run on Sunday morning? That's what they want to know. How many people do you have? Because if you've got more people than me, then you're more important than me. And if you've got less people than me, then I'm more important than you. And they want to know who gets to sit at the big boy table. Who's got the thousands in their ministry. It's a way to exalt yourself. It's a way to lift yourself up. Now in Jesus' day, the pecking order was more blatant. If you were invited to a place, invited to an, to an event, the most important people sat the closest to the host. So if you came in and you were sat right next to the host, everyone knew that guy is the most important person in the room. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when you, when you go to something, don't assume that you're more important than you are. Don't assume that you're higher up than you are and go sit at the very front of the, the table because, man, it ain't going to be embarrassing when the host comes up and says, what are you doing here? You've got to go to the kids' table. This is for the big boys. And so he's saying, don't, don't exalt yourself. Jesus is telling us, Instead of exalting ourselves when we have a chance, we should choose to be humble. We should choose to do something not a lot of us like to do. We should choose to think less of ourselves. Jesus is telling us not to live a life where we seek recognition, where we seek to be exalted. Because when we do that, it's easy to let your purpose get off course. Let's continue reading in verse number 12. Then he said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends or thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made of thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor and the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. I got to mark in my notes what's going on when I, when I change the thing. Now, now Jesus is telling us not only where to sit at a party, but he's telling us how to throw a party. Who to have on the guest list. He is teaching us who to surround ourselves with. Too many people, and it happens, we see it mostly in like high school. You've got the cliques. And there's the cool kids, and there's the jocks, and there's the cheerleaders, and the nerds. And, you know, no one wants to be at the nerd table, although the nerds are going to be your boss one day. So maybe sit at the nerd table. 
And so we've got all these cliques, and everyone's trying to, what can I do to get in this clique? How can I hang out with these cool people? And we see it, and we think, you know, we look at high school kids and think, oh, that's so silly because we're out of that. But we do it too. If someone's coming, you know, especially I've seen that pastor's conferences too much. If there's a pastor who's got a big church, everyone wants to be with him. There's a pastor that writes a lot of books. They want to talk to him, maybe at dinner, sit at his table. Just to be around him gives you extra special recognition. So he's teaching us to surround ourselves with who we should. Now, most of us, we surround ourselves with safe people, people that can help us, people that can do something for us. And Jesus says, as a child of God, we should be looking for people who can do nothing for us. We could be looking for, should be looking for people that have nothing to offer us. People the rest of society looks down on. And when we do that, Jesus says God is pleased because we are seeking out the people that God seeks out. God is looking for people to bless who are willing to go outside their comfort zone. So as we begin this new series... Let's see, just for a few minutes, what is our true purpose? Why does God leave us here after salvation? What, what's the purpose that God has for us? Well, number one, our purpose is to obey God, not man. Back in verse number one through six, of course, Jesus, he sees this man with a dropsy and the rules of the day, and they weren't God's laws, they were the Pharisees' rules, but the rules of the day said that Jesus had to make this man, had to let this man suffer because it's the Sabbath day. Can't break that rule. So as Jesus comes to the gathering, there are people who are just, they're just watching this poor man in need. No one was willing to do anything to help him because the rules of the day forbade that they do anything on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath law was not God's, it was not God's intent to just let people suffer and do nothing. The purpose of the Sabbath was more than just to give people a day of rest. It was more than just having an excuse where your wife comes and says, Honey, can you mow the grass? Ah, oh, can't, baby. It's the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Can't mow the grass today. Have to get it tomorrow. It was more than just to give us an excuse to be lazy. The Sabbath was given as a, it was intended for the children of Israel and for us to have a day where we, we stopped doing all the, the regular mundane things of life that took all of our time and we spent a little more time focused on God. We took time out of our busy schedule, because let's be honest, all of us could, have an, could use an extra day to get stuff done. Most of us could have, if we had Sundays, we could just go and just get everything done. We need to get around the house. We could, we, we'd be great at it. It'd be wonderful to have that extra day. And the same thing in Israel. They'd be great to have another day to help get the, cow, get the, the sheep in, or to help get the crops in, or to help do this. Or They were an agricultural society, so you know, every day there was work to do. But God was telling them, I want you to take a day from the, where you stop doing everything you normally do and take more time to worship me, to focus on me. But he also said to serve me. We are, the Sabbath day was not meant for us to be lazy. It's meant for us to worship God and do the things that God would have us to do. The Pharisees, they'd add thousands of rules to make sure no one broke this one law. But they missed the purpose of the law. They missed the heart of the commandment. God didn't just want us to be lazy. 
He wanted us to have a day where we worshipped him and we served him. So when Jesus saw this man in need, he did what needed to be done. He did what God would have him to do. What God would want done, he healed this man. He wasn't doing work. He was serving God. So Jesus is saying, y'all have got the point wrong. Y'all serve yourselves on the Sabbath. Again, your son gets sick, you do what you got to do. Your ox gets hurt, you do what you got to do. You serve yourself on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant for us to serve God. Jesus helped knowing it would anger the Pharisees. But his purpose was not to please man. His purpose was to please God. That's our purpose as well. Our purpose isn't to please man and make sure people think highly of us and make sure people talk real good about us and make sure people know how great we are. Our purpose is to serve God. So here's what that means. If God lays something on your heart, maybe helping someone, maybe giving to something, and others don't understand or agree, it doesn't matter. Obey God. God lays on your heart to go start this ministry. People say, why would you do that? You're so busy already. It doesn't matter. Obey God. There are a lot of things that we do as believers that the world doesn't understand or think is stupid. I mean, let's be honest, coming to church on Sunday morning, the world doesn't understand that. Especially this morning. I mean, how many of y'all woke up this morning, the clouds were gray, the sky was gray, it was raining, you thought, I just want to stay in bed. Me too, but John was on vacation. So I had to come, because David said he wouldn't do it. So, you know, to the world, it's like, why would you get up on a Sunday morning, you know, when your only day's off? It's cloudy, it's rainy, it's cold, it's dreary. Why would you get out of bed and get dressed? And man, especially if you got small kids in with those kids, trying to get them dressed. Get in the car and, you know, everything's hectic. Why would you give up your Sunday like that? It doesn't make any sense to them. Because we're not here to please man, we're here to please God. Why would you, on a strapped income, why would you give 10% of your income to a church? I mean, you could use that. To, I know I could use my tithe. I put my tithe in this morning. I think, man, I could, there's a lot of things I could do with that. But it's, it doesn't make sense. But I'm not trying to please man. I'm trying to please God. Our purpose is not to obey man. It's not to, to please man. Our purpose is to please God. Doesn't matter what other people think. Doesn't matter if our purpose isn't to be comfortable. Our purpose isn't to be understood. Our purpose isn't to be popular. Our purpose is to obey and please God. Jesus did what was right, even when it was hard. That should be our heart and our purpose as well. So our purpose is to obey God, not man. Secondly, our purpose is to exalt Jesus, not ourselves. Verses 7 through 11, Jesus, he talks about something that we all struggle with, our ego. Every one of us has an ego. Every one of us, we want people, uh, we want people to think highly of us. We want people to think we're better than we actually are, whether it's the high schooler wanting to be cool or the mom wanting to be the best Pinterest mom ever. You know, social media is so, so dangerous and really so stupid. You know, we, we want recognition. We want people to think a lot better than we are. That's why social media exists. Because you're scrolling through social media and you're at home and your kids are, are still in their underwear and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Your hair's a mess. Your house is filthy. You have a, and you're just, you're just trying to keep it together long until your husband comes home. You can say, hey, tag, you're at the yours now. 
and you're scrolling through Instagram and you see all these perfect moms and they have these perfect little craft projects and their kids are all perfect and smile. You know, that's because everyone puts the best on Facebook and Instagram. They, they want people to think they're the best mom ever. You know, no one ever, how many of you ever seen a post where the, the mom's got curlers in her hair, her, her house is a wreck, the kids are, are crazy and she says, worst day ever, got nothing done. Yelling at the kids all day, had to spank them, every, uh, for, spank them every day, and the house is a mess. I'm the worst mom ever. Nobody does that. We put the best out there. You know, these smiling pictures where 30 seconds before and 37 seconds after, everyone's fighting. It's like those Christmas cards. Get Christmas cards with all these families that are smiling. like, you know, they hate each other. I know these people. They don't like each other. Why are they hugging? Why? Because they want people to think they're better than they are. And so we put these things out there. We stroke our ego. You know, we want to exalt ourselves. And that is the purpose that we live for. But our purpose is not to exalt ourselves. Our purpose is to exalt Jesus. Our purpose is to lift him up. Our purpose is to glorify him. Everything we do is meant to lift up Christ, to glorify Christ, to draw men to him. Jesus even said in John 12, 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's the purpose of our life. Look, that's the purpose of this church. Not to draw people to a great music program. Not to draw people to a great children's church program. Not to draw people to the greatest preaching ever. Okay, that... All right, see, you're not stroking my ego, folks. Now, do we want a good music program? Sure. Do we want a good children's program? Sure. Do we want good preaching? I hope so. But that's... (laughs) My purpose is not to lift myself up. But our purpose is to exalt Christ. If we lift up Jesus... We draw people to Him, and we do that by humbling ourselves and lifting up God. You know, instead of talking about how great we are, let's talk about how great God is. You know, it's okay if on, tomorrow on Facebook you said, man, my, today was terrible, kicked the dog, ran over the cat, oh well, but ain't God good. And talk about how good, you know, say, well, God ain't done nothing good for me. Has God saved you? Are you alive? Are you living in America? Where look, we're we're a lot better off than Christians living in other parts of the world. I mean, imagine the, the seven billion people in the world, you were born in the nation with the most access to the gospel. So you could get saved. That's God loving you. So just exalt God and tell how good God is. As we lift God up, we draw men not to us, not to our church, we draw men to Him. And that's the purpose, to draw people to God. Even John the Baptist knew this. He said in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Look, John had a following. He was getting some momentum, and he was a rebel rouser. Here's this guy living out in the desert, walking around in a loincloth, eating locust and honey, telling the king that his, 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 his polyamorous marriage is wicked and against God and man he's just standing up to society and he's 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 just he's stirring stuff up and he's getting a following he's getting a name for himself and then here comes Jesus could have gotten upset because he's going to take my limelight he's going to take my followers he's going but he says he must increase 
so I must decrease. I must humble myself to exalt God. Because John knew, I'm not trying to draw men to John the Baptist. I'm trying to draw men to Jesus Christ. So our purpose is to lift up Christ. John understood his purpose wasn't to get a name for himself. It was to proclaim the name of Jesus. Then we see our third purpose. Our purpose is to go after the forgotten ones. In Jesus' final story in verses 12 through 14, he gives us another purpose. Going after the forgotten. Going after the ones that everyone else has forgotten about. The poor, the lame, the blind, the maimed. And not just those who are physically suffering with those things, but those who are spiritually blind. Those who are spiritually poor. Those who are spiritually hurt. Those everyone else writes off are the ones that Jesus wants us to go after, to invite to the feast, to introduce to him. Again, as a church, that should be our goal. Our goal shouldn't be to get those people that look like we do and act like we do and, and do everything the way we do. Our purpose should be, of course, those people are welcome. We want them here. They're welcome, but we're not going to turn away at the door. But we should go after the ones that are forgotten. Those that are hurting. Those that are broken. Those that realize they have a need and are looking for help. Because here's the thing. We're all broken. We're all hurting. We all have a need. And Jesus saw that and came to us. Aren't you glad he didn't just come to save all those who had it all together? Because if he came to save those who had it all together, none of us would be saved. Well, preacher, I lead a pretty good life. I don't care how good your life is. You are broken. Because we're all broken. We've all got heartache. We've all got pain. We've all got things we struggle with. And God came after us and came to us and got us so we can go after those. You know, I often joke about our, our church verse. It's Psalm 147.2. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. But that should be our church verse. That should be our heart. That should be our goal. That should be our purpose. Getting to those who are not with God. Getting to those who are on the outside. Our purpose isn't to surround ourselves with people just like us. Our purpose is is to go after those who are in need. Every one of us wants to live a life of significance, a life that has a purpose that is greater than ourselves. And Jesus has shown us how to live out that purpose. Live for God, not for man. If you're walking with God and serving God and doing what God wants you to do, who cares what every people say about you? Who cares what society says about you? Our purpose is to honor God and serve God. Live for God, not for man. Lift up Jesus and don't worry about being lifted up yourself and go after those that no one else wants. See, if we live like this, we'll be living out our purpose because we'll be living like Jesus because that's exactly what he did.